Welcome to the GT Reboot Gaming Trends Podcast for all preview and review and news discussion. We have a splendid show for you this week. We have a little news to talk about with a bunch of leaks coming from multiple sources on the Nintendo Switch and its launch lineup. And we also take a brief look at Watch Dogs soon to be possibly trailer question mark but immediately after that we get on to the reviews amy k purcell is here to talk about her time with pokemon moon and mike pierce gets in depth with his most recent review for 2d platform mechazoo also included in this week's episode is an extended discussion between myself and hunter wolf on our most recently reviewed dishonored 2. we're so excited you're here for our show so let's boot up What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the GT Reboot, uh, episode 76 for that matter. My name is Joe DeClara. I am joined by Mike. What's up, Joey? I am very well. How about you, sir? I'm good. And we are also joined by a contributing writer, editor, reviewer of uh, Gaming Trend. That is uh, Amy K. Purcell. Hi, Hello. Amy. And uh, we're, this is your not your first time on the show, but it's your first time since uh, Mike and I uh, took over the ship. I'm no, this sure. is my is first right? time on the show. Hey. Oh, okay. Look at that. It's not oh, my excellent. first podcast. I've done a couple podcasts, but uh, I think this is our first time hosting a first timer. Oh. Oh, very I cool. I think, right? Yeah, no, yeah. Did... I'm pretty sure Josh was on before. Josh has been on know. before. I don't know about yeah, Hunter. And I'm pretty sure Kenneth and uh, Eric were, Kenneth, have been yeah, on yeah, right. several episodes before. Yeah. <laughs> They were the hosts of the show before, in case anyone didn't catch that. Anyway, what uh, what other podcasts were you on? Uh, I've been on uh, XSN several times, which is Meltdown Comics' little um, podcast geeky mm-hmm. sales thing. And I've been on Drinking with Comics, which is an awesome podcast by the Comic Bug, uh, mostly for Drunken Fandom, which is the uh, Fandom Drinks blog I run. Oh, okay, cool. We so. could be drinking but not right now, but someone... yeah. So. Had to delay the podcast until the morning, so yeah, the only thing I'm going to yeah. be having right now is coffee. But that doesn't mean I can't put whiskey in it, and I no. may just do that. You certainly whiskey could. Whiskey little Baileys? Fridays are, Fridays are my day off, actually, which is super weird, because I teach uh, on the so side. So now you're, I, now you're running a guilt trip on us? Is that what this is? No, like no, no. I'm saying, like, I mean, I'm totally down? at liberty to start drinking at this point, but I mean, will not, because we have plenty of news oh. to get into. Uh, for that matter, we had a bunch of Nintendo Switch news, uh, or at least Nintendo Switch reports, and also we have a couple things to talk about about this new game, Watch Dogs. Uh, some interesting stories from there, but we also played some video games this week. We played Dishonored 2. Uh, Amy played is playing currently Pokemon, and uh, yes, Mike, yes. I'm just curious before we jump into the news, did you, you said, oh, didn't play any video games. I almost don't believe you, though. I'm wondering what no, games I you did. played this I week. No, I did. I mean, like, I just reviewed Mechazoo, so that's what I was going to talk oh, about. Oh, yes, that's right. Oh, I did yeah. read your review on Mechazoo. That's true. Whoa, yeah. hey, I, I actually didn't like my review. That, was, that wasn't that was very good. Oh, whatever. no. Untrue, untrue. <laughs> All right, so we'll talk about those games later, uh, but first we're going to get into the news. So why don't we start with some Nintendo Switch news. A bunch of leaks this week from multiple outlets, uh, Eurogamer being one. Uh, although Eurogamer and Emily Rogers, who often reports on Nintendo News on her blog, has been reporting on the NX, now the Switch, for a long time now, since 
the NX's announcement. And this week, she and Eurogamer, uh, that is Eurogamer's Tom Phillips, reported that Zelda Breath of the Wild, which is a highly anticipated Wii U and Nintendo Switch game, will not be ready at launch. And in fact, will be more likely down the road, say, six months after launch or, or something like that. Basically, they said that the game was planned to be ready at launch. In fact, it's been planned to be ready multiple years before now. Um, but unfortunately, developers are having some issue with localization. So, And the fact that it got delayed has surprised absolutely no one. Yeah, I of course. I mean, it's that. technically not a delay because they've not said anything about a time window or a quarter window for next year. They just said 2017, ever since yeah, well, uh, Aonuma had delayed it we, initially. We all know it's a delay. Sure, true. <laughs> yeah, Doesn't mean we're not crying about it. Right. It's true. Yeah, based on you know what we had seen, we many of us expected, just assumed, that this would be a great uh, console launch lineup game because it's a Zelda game. It fan- looks fantastic, from what I am judging, at least. Uh, but anyway, Zelda is delayed. Or not Zelda's delayed, Zelda will not be a launch lineup uh, title. Guys, how do you feel about this? <laughs> Amy is, is inconsolable. Yeah, you know what? And she sums it up perfectly. That's exactly how I feel, too, to be honest. I yeah. Brought, it brought a tear to my eye. Yeah, the sarcasm a little. Amy, you were excited for Zelda, though, I take it. I was very excited for Zelda. I was... I want the Switch, but I was like... I've, I've been debating a while. I don't have a Wii U. I haven't had a console in a while. I was like, maybe I can just buy a Wii U. And then when I started seeing the footage of Breath of the Wild from E3 and the reviews, I was like, okay, switch immediately along with Zelda. Mm. And now I'm like, well, maybe I won't have to be in the, the line to get the switch immediately. Maybe I can just hold off until Zelda comes out. Mike, you're, you're still not, you don't have anything selling you on the switch so far. No, I mean this like the Switch is cool. I, I mean, I like I genuinely think it's a sweet-looking console and I love all the the stuff they're doing with it, this portability aspect and then how it can be it's multiplayer even when it's portable. I think that's pretty cool. Sure. Um remains to be seen how well they're going to execute all of that. And I certainly have my my suspicions and my hesitations with Nintendo's colorful history <laughs> of releases, but uh I don't, I just, I'm just not a Nintendo fanboy, really. I never have been. So it, to me, it's kind of like I'm I'm a little bit apathetic about the whole thing. Yeah, I understand that. And uh, if you not if you don't have a love for those franchises, then obviously there's there's no interest there because especially because Zelda now looks so Western and so uh, different from all the other Zeldas. Like you can easily get your kicks from other games like that. Although I do I do uh, I do hold some optimism for Zelda being a special game. Uh, it looks very, very different. It looks... Um, and it's also Nintendo, and it's their biggest game, apparently, ever. You know, they said in some uh, interview during E3 uh, that this like is, the like... the most content? This, yeah. This is, yeah, the just most the content. size of the map. It, yeah, yeah, just the actual sheer size of the actual game, as well as it, the amount of people working on the game. It is uh, by far the largest project. Uh, it looks like an MMO, but it's single-player. Oh, sure. Yeah, like, like the, the size, size of, it. of it. Yeah, it looks like an MMO, like all these DLC areas just like all uh, impacted. And that's what I have, a, I have a lot of friends who are, you know, they want to get into gaming, 
they want to get into MMOs, but they don't want to have to rely on the party mechanic and someone screwing them over. Like they don't want to deal with it. And then they, I started telling them about Breath of the Wild and they're like, I need this game. When can I get this game? How do I get this uh-huh. game? Like it appeals to an entirely different demographic. Uh-huh. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, they're going to have to wait a little while. I yeah, 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 we all are. <laughs> we all are. I don't know if this would be uh, as, as aesthetically and uh, you know, fictionally cool this game is and how much it may appeal to people who play MMOs, people who play fantasy-based games. I don't know if this is like uh, an MMO player's transitioning game to single player. Well, people who play Perfect World. Yeah. They kind of just want that anyway, you know? Oh, sure. I okay. want to create my character and go explore the world. Yeah, of course. That's like that I exploration, like that extreme expansiveness of a world, like that's clearly in this game. That's clearly what they're going for. Yeah, uh, and that's what when I play MMOs, I'm kind of like, I, I don't mind partying on occasion, but don't make me party to do anything. Like, let me solo play the entire time. That's interesting. <laughs> if possible. That's yeah, yeah no, that's how I, I like to. I agree with that. There were some things like, I haven't played WoW and God, I don't know. Yeah, that game's been out for what twelve years now or Almost, more, yeah, something well like that. Well over t- but, ten years now, yeah. Yeah, and I played it for the first two or three years of it being out, and um, there were some things in the beginning that you really could only do as a as a as a big party, and that got especially annoying when you would do like the forty man raids or whatever, and like if you didn't, yeah. you know, if you're not part of a guild or you don't have thirty nine goddamn friends who all own the game and can get together at the same time, then you're just not playing that this, shit. This is so. interesting listening to the two most recluse WoW players I've ever heard. Like, everyone <laughs> else talks about how cool, like, playing uh, with people it, it is. Like, how cool the game is for that and, like, why the game is. Especially now because this DLC came out. Well, this expansion recently came out that everyone's, like, up in arms about how uh, revitalizing it is for the series. And it's funny hearing people say, like, oh, I, I get, get my people out of my game i just want to play by myself some wow and that's i've never like heard that before you want to have the option right you want to like you don't want to be forced to do one or the i mean i want want that i want that in my normal most of my games like especially games that are focused on single player but like have multiplayer aspects that's what i want but i never play mmos because i know I know, I mean, or at least I assumed that that's just not what I'm going to get, that, like, that is generally a multiplayer-focused uh, world, which is fine, and, like, it's also fine, look, it's fine to play however you like, you know, I just, I've never met you guys before, I've never met someone who, like, was so interested in an MMO world and just diving in and being on your own, uh, except for maybe, like, Elder Scrolls, because that's, like, a whole other thing, uh, but yeah, that that I found, that I find interesting in uh it's, it's cool to find a way to impact the world on your own. Right. It's cool to find ways to advance and to not take the beaten path. Sure, sure. Well, I, I you yeah. will find plenty of that with Zelda, for sure. Uh, <laughs> like Mike said, though, you're probably going to have to wait. Um, yeah, so the game uh, is not finished with localization, so it's going to take some time. And then after that, it has to go through uh, four to six months of testing. But then just after that, even more leaks came out. One of which came actually from that Eurogamer story, said that in its place for like AAA first party game launch lineup, like in that space that Zelda is now leaving open, uh, Mario for Switch, the game which we assume we saw in the Nintendo Switch reveal trailer, is going to take its place. So Mario on the Switch at launch sounds pretty amazing. What do you guys think of that? 
if you don't have Zelda, you need a, a big title, a classic right. title. Yeah, you got to have an iconic Nintendo title to ship with the new console. And like, yeah, like Amy said, if you don't have Zelda, you got to put something else in. And Mario's about as iconic as it gets within video games in general, not just Nintendo. Yeah, so. yeah. It may be just as iconic as it gets Mario, you know? And I really think it is. I mean, it's kind of what, like, it's not the first video game, but you no, could no, definitely no. make a case that... You could definitely make the case that it is the video game that started it all in terms of the popularity and taking video games mainstream and all the that. The first video game celebrity. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Sure. Yes. That that I might agree with. First celebrity of, of video games. Because like it was that whole idea. Except maybe Pac-Man. Pac-Man was a, a celebrity mm-hmm. of video games. But Mario even more so probably. Uh, but yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm also extremely excited by this. Uh, picking up my Switch on launch day and having a Mario to play, a 3D Mario like Sunshine, like uh, Galaxy or 64 especially, uh, something that's expansive and single player and you can enjoy for many hours and, and has a like explorative uh, overworld hub like Mario 64 did or what have you. That is something I want to see from my next Nintendo console. So now I'm all ears for the Nintendo Switch and ready to see what their launch lineup is, and I really hope this is true. I will say, even as a non-Nintendo fanboy, the first time I got my hands on Super Mario 64, I was genuinely blown away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I mean, mean, first time jumping into 3D, yeah, that's like... I still remember where I was, like... I can actually remember this because it was in a store. Yep. Remember they used to have those. I don't even know if they still have them anymore. The those like stand up free arcade deals. With yeah, the like a kiosk. Yeah, them in yeah. An electronics section. Yeah, and it was. A, I don't think you have them in New York, but you might have them down in California. Yeah, Target maybe. has them randomly. Um. Well, I, I was going to say the store. It was a Fred Meyer. I don't think Fred Meyer's in New York, but. Mm. Um. But anyway, yeah, they have them here, and like I remember playing that. I think I was. My mom was probably shopping or something, and I was just like, well, see ya, going to the electronics section, and I was stuck there for three hours or something, and time just <laughs> flew by. That's awesome. I, I remember the same things. Uh, kiosks still kind of exist. Like, you go into GameStop really? or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, oh, my right. GameStops always have kiosks. Uh, Best Buys will have kiosks most of the time, but they're like Xbox One and PS4, and generally they all have, like... Uh, FIFA or like uh, FIFA's like, a sweet like game, Forza though, or something it on it, you know, like your sports games and Madden. But um, yeah, I mean, this would be very cool to see Nintendo go all out, maybe get some kiosks out. I, I don't know if that's what they do now, you know. Looking at the Nintendo Classic Mini, the NES Classic Mini, and that whole story, which is a whole debacle, I wonder if they're just going for a whole new or whole antiquated, actually, system of uh getting the word out uh like the nes classic mini i i assure you guys have heard has been impossible to get your hands on and it's because oh now i know the one we're talking about yep yeah yeah the new the new little uh emulator system with 30 games built in on it and And it's only like 60 bucks right it's 60 bucks pretty solid it's a great idea it's a solid like in the store, on your way to the cash register, you see this thing, and it's Christmas, and you gotta grab something for your your nephew or niece, right? That's it's the perfect thing for that, or it's a nostalgia machine, and everyone just wants to grab one. And the way they've rolled this thing out is just uh, annoying and 
and absurd, really. Like, it, it's just why, why do they have to go for this artificial manufactured scarcity? And that's just what it is. There's no denying that, you know? And then why do they have to pretend like, oh, we're working hard to keep up with demand? It's just so like you don't don't try and fool us, you know. You've made the demand, this, but you're trying to create. This demand. Joe is exactly why I say don't put anything past Nintendo. Yeah, you never know what the hell kind of shit they're gonna pull. Yeah, that's gonna annoy it, the hell out of It's such a so it, it's such a you know transparent move, and along with the fact that you know their their short sightedness of like how to make a good product. It seems like the best product, and then you hear stupid things. I haven't tried it myself, but things like the cord not being long enough, and yeah. you have to have it like on your table and an HDMI cable like strewn across your room because the 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 controller cable is only like a foot two feet long or something. It's like my f- personal favorite is still the Wii remote that that shipped without the wrist straps, and people were just putting <laughs> holes in their TVs. I mean, I, That's the I best. almost. Like, can't blame nintendo i really can't blame nintendo for that you know i mean i i saw those videos and i was just like well i mean you threw a controller at your tv (laughs) but how was nintendo's my point is like how the hell did they not anticipate that happening i mean yeah they made the damn wii sports game and people were playing baseball and golf and bowling and all this other bullshit yeah and you know throwing throwing the remotes and so like what you, some sweaty palmed idiot like me, because I do have super sweaty palms, would just roll up and sexy, you know, yeah, you know, just rock a damn remote right into the TV, and bam, there goes fifteen hundred bucks. Like, why was that? I, I mean, you I said it yourself. You're a sweaty palmed it. idiot. So those three things, you know, those are those are leading to a Wii remote in. Yeah, you can into just call TV. me a sweaty palmed orangutan. Oh if you want. no, I'm, I'm a klutz. No, we love you, Mike. All right. <laughs> But no, uh, I I agree. You know, I'm very excited for these games. But then again, it's it still looks like the same uh, short sighted and and just confusing Nintendo. So I'm still concerned. But I it it feels less gimmicky mm-hmm. than than their two previous consoles, Wii and Wii U. I still don't understand Wii U to this day. I've played Wii U. I don't understand what Wii U is. Sure, yeah, and they, but, neither did they. You know, so that's yeah. the problem. But, is this when I confess that I actually own a Wii? I still own my original Wii. Yeah, like I still first have one. first release Wii sitting over yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, that's like that household like marquee like every household. You know, even if they they don't have like kids anymore, or if they're not like huge gamers, so many households they walk into, it's like, oh, there's that Wii collecting dust over there, and like maybe a Guitar Hero guitar or whatever, or they have the Wii mode sitting there, and everyone had Wii Sports. That's like, I think that's over though, you know, like, but, but yeah, that was, that was the Wii for sure. And the Wii U was not that. Dude, I got the Wii Fit board and everything, man. I'm yeah. decked out over yep. here. Yeah. The- I used to do yoga on that thing every morning. I like that Fuck thing. Fuck yoga. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> damn. Sorry. Yeah. That's hardcore. <laughs> I hate yoga. I think I'm the only woman in the world who's like, nope, hate that. Go away. Oh no, trust me. Anyone, <laughs> any... Any woman or man who's told that they have to wake up at six in the morning and sit in a hot room and, and do stretches and not feel stressed out about it uh, certainly can feel a little resentment toward it, yoga. It doesn't have to be hot, though, to be fair. No, you can no. Do it in My like girlfriend does hot yoga, so that's what I think of, yeah. Oh, well, that shit is just dangerous, man. <laughs> I hear it's that, great. Like... I hear, like, once you're there, it's, like, awesome. It's just... Well, but the problem is, like, they, they can be really restrictive about it. So, like, you... Wh- why the hell are we talking? No. Oh, oh. Nope.com. Yeah. Great l- banter. No? This okay. is a goddamn gaming 
podcast. <laughs> we don't need to be talking about hot yoga and shit. I mean, goddamn, love me my yoga. I, I don't do yoga, but okay. All right, so really quickly. <laughs> so Watch Dogs 2 came out uh, recently. And with it, a new trailer, question mark. Uh, so this uh, has been the story for a little while now. Um, along with some other stories also, I don't know if you guys heard about this like nudity issue that came out with Watch Dogs, yes, which is just like the most ridiculous thing. Uh, but anyway, talking about specifically this trailer, this uh, t- teaser trailer that came out through the video game. Really, really hilarious. What happened was uh, this video game has... Um, it features well. If we're getting the long form discussion of it, the, the video game Watch Dogs Two takes place in San Francisco, uh, and in San Francisco is Ubisoft's office. And maybe they don't have it as Ubisoft. It's probably like some fake name. And uh, this guy, who's the main character you play as, is a hacker, like in Watch Dogs One. Uh, and one of the missions is to go and infiltrate uh, electronically. Ubisoft or Ubisoft's, you know, fake name, whatever it is, and steal a video game trailer that has not been released yet. And he does it well, and the player is able to do so. And someone had eventually done this and then posted video footage of themselves doing it and then showing the trailer. And the trailer itself looks like a very real video game teaser trailer. Uh, it's like this space, uh, it's, <laughs> it's a space thing. I don't know. It's like, uh, a lot of people compared it to No Man's Sky, but yeah. I, I didn't get that vibe from it. Yeah, really it's... While. I actually, like, it reminded me of a game called Solus that came out on Steam a while ago. It's like a VR title. Uh-huh. But, anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's, I guess the only way I saw No Man's Sky is that you're, like, in close orbit around some planet that might be Earth or whatever. Uh, and you spend a lot of time in No Man's Sky doing that. And... But you see, like, spaceships and, uh, and a space station and satellites or whatever... And it's very brief and doesn't show any actual gameplay. And people were putting it up saying, is this a real game? Is Ubisoft releasing a teaser trailer for a real game that they're working on through their video game? And according to Jason Schreier from Kotaku, uh, the answer is yes. The leaked Ubisoft trailer inside Watch Dogs 2 is for a real sci-fi game called or codenamed Pioneer, sources say. But Pioneer is running into trouble develop- troubled development and may not be announced as soon as Ubisoft had originally planned, if it comes out at all. So, if this is true, funny situation wherein, like, this is a teaser game, a teased game, but it's not necessarily coming out because it's hitting trouble in uh, development, which most video games do. But I found that really, Very common. really interesting. And no one else does. Okay, our, so- our, yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, our, our simultaneous silence should show you that we're not interested. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just think like no, I've I'm never kidding. seen like I'm kidding. I've never seen I've never seen a teaser like handled like this, and that's what's no. I, I haven't either. I think it's actually pretty genius, and I think if anything, like uh, it's it's probably given a boost to the game. I would guess, and I would hope that they got extra funding for you know for this because I mean it's gone gone relatively viral. I mean it's gotten all over. Mm. video game news and everything all over reddit which i think is where it first popped up it was on reddit i think it was a reddit sure yeah I, reddit and neogaf wherever it. yeah wherever it's the a really is. exciting it's a really exciting interesting way to drop something out there yeah yeah provide well, especially because you can't control when it happens like you don't know you know you put it in the game and the game gets released okay so now you know it's a possibility that it could happen at any point but you still don't know like 
is it going to happen in a week? Is it going to happen in five hours? Like a month? Will nobody see it? So it's it's risky, but it's cool. Yeah. All yeah. I can think of is uh, Deadpool. A fourth wall break inside a fourth wall break? That's like 16 walls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a very meta trailer. It's a video game like hacked into a video game company in a video game made by the video game. It's like very weird. But uh, yeah. uh, I just like any kind of way that uh, video game companies can like well, whenever they decide to bypass PR and just kind of put a trailer out there and see what happens and see the the word build up, uh, provided that the game is not in trouble and does eventually come out, that's always, you know, kind of important. But I mean, every video game hits trouble, so I'm, that's not necessarily something to worry about. But anyway, uh, specifically, I thought of like PT, like how they just released the, a demo of a game, essentially, and it just st- spread by word of mouth and people got really excited about it and then the game never happened it just and it got canceled so one more Eurogamer port uh, again from Tom Phillips that a new version of Pokemon Sun and Moon is in the works for Nintendo Switch, and it's called Pokemon Stars. Uh, as normally, you have your Pokemon Red, Pokemon Blue, and then Yellow comes out later. And uh, that's apparently Pokemon Stars, and it's currently in the works right now, not a launch title, but will be available on the Switch uh, in the first like six months or so for, for and release. And should be renamed to Eclipse. Eclipse. Oh, damn. That's a pretty good one. Come on, guys. Get on it. Eclipse. The fandom has spoken here. What kind of an eclipse? A solar eclipse or a lunar eclipse? I mean, stars. That's your decision. Which which game did you pick up originally? Ah, there you go. I I think stars is is a respectable name, but I think eclipse is like really uh, 10 plus, Amy. That's a good one. I just took it off the internet. I think Reddit gets credit for that. Sure, yeah, of course, of course. So anyway. There is one more piece of news we need to talk about. Uh Uh-oh. The Total War Warhammer Wood Elves DLC. Oh, exciting. Dropping it. Yeah, I know. You guys are just absolutely fucking I just, I don't know. I've never ever played No pun intended, but. Yeah. Like. Yeah, so it's uh it's the biggest DLC so far for Total War Warhammer. And for Warhammer fans like myself. Sure. Um, it's a huge deal. It's a brand new faction, and uh, they only teased it that the like that they were even working on it. I think maybe even just less than a month ago, and it's been radio silence before that. So it's been a pretty quick turnaround. Um, and uh, it it looks awesome. Like the the I don't know how deep you guys want me to get into. I mean, it, well, I first just get me back long, onto but... what the genre. It is a an RTS. I'm sure. I'm, I'm yeah, pretty sure. it's definitely an RTS. Okay, so I'm, yeah. I'm there so far. That that much I know. <laughs> what, well, what else do you want to know, uh, Is it... Let's see. Are there any characters named... Like, are there orcs in this game? Oh, yeah. There are orcs. Yeah, okay. except, is, are any of the yeah. orcs named, like, uh, cr- like, Crip? Like, something, like, gross like that. Like, Crip? Well, Crip? That's Crip. a game. Crip, I feel like Crip is a very... <laughs> is a very orcish name. No? Crip? How about like that's a very California like, gangster name, like the Bloods and the. Is Crips. it really? Oh no no no! I yeah. feel like K R I P Crip. No, not like Crips, like Bloods, like that. No. 
I'm not sure that it really matters if you spell it with a K or a C. But, okay. But, uh, but anyway, no, no, no. They're like, um, they have really funny names like, um, God, I don't know. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but they're all, they're always kind of a play on words for the orcs. It's always like, um, oh, good. it's always like, I don't know, big stinky human killer or something oh, like that. Oh, wow. It's like, oh, yeah, or something like that. that. Is or, gold. I don't know. Like, <laughs> is that actually a name? Big stinky no, human killer? No, I mean, killer? I'm, I'm, they, well, no, it's not an actual <laughs> name. But, <laughs> the outrage but it, is great. But it's a good example. I mean, that's literally like here. I can probably look some shit up. But I mean, that's really the like the the naming conventions that they use is stuff like that. Give me one use. of the names, and then we can. Uh, and then I promise I'll I'll stop badgering you on Total War. All right. Well, then then you you keep talking for a minute while I yeah sure. Me a little so Google you can you here. can judge me here. Well, uh, while you're looking that up, I was reading the announcement. It was on my iPhone. I had just woken up. I hadn't had coffee. I am Judging not a morning person. Yeah. I am the opposite of a morning person. I was not That's awake. Fine. I was not even That's out fine. of bed. That's fine. And my brain made weird connections. And for some reason, I thought I read Wood Elves and read it as Garden Gnomes. Garden Gnomes. And I'm like, that's a weird thing to fit into... <laughs> But, like, Left for Dead, the Garden Gnome achievement, so I'm like, I guess. So it works. So it's fine. It's been done in video <laughs> games. Wood Elves and Garden Gnomes. That is incredible. I'm gnomes like, and wow, Goblins, they, I like... think, is a thing in the Hearthstone. Anyway, continuing. Sorry. All right. So, uh, I'm g- Mike, you ruined my segue. I'm sorry to tell you. But I had a great segue set up. I'm like, so... You know, Nintendo Switch, I guess I'm going to wait for Nintendo Switch version of Pokemon to come out before I start playing Pokemon Stars. However, Amy has been playing plenty of Pokemon Sun and or Moon. Uh, I'm not sure which version you're on right now. I have Moon. Yeah, okay. So does that mean it's all in nighttime? I've heard something about Um, that. So so the announcement said they were set 12 hours apart. Okay. but I'm definitely playing in the daytime during some of this. There's actually a clock. If you go into, um, there's a coffee shop that you go into and you can get items and news and that's kind of your gossip center. Don't we call uh, that a I, Pokemon Center or a Pokemon? It's, it's inside the Pokemon that. Center. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. So now, so now there's only the Pokemart and the coffee shop are inside the Poke Center. Okay. So like they the Poke Center's gotten like a really like it's been a... renovated pretty hardcore. We have like a yeah. really big now. I remember well, it being so in... like two aisles and one yep. cashier. Okay. In, so awesome. in black and white, they actually shifted it because black and white was based off America. And so they had a super center, which is they combined uh-huh. the Poke Center, the Poke Mart, and the battle arena, but now the or where you could the link arena where you could battle or trade. Oh. Uh, but now that entire system has been uh changed up so there's a whole separate section where you go to wirelessly play yeah okay cool so anyway talking about the game itself uh what do you think of pokemon's uh biggest uh renovation pokemon sun and moon yeah it's it's a big change but it's a really welcome change um there are no gyms this time as you've probably heard if you know anything about pokemon which i know we had to explain to mike before the yeah hey (laughs) Um, yeah, this is the first, this is the first game where there's no gyms. It's a completely different island quest. Um, Mm -hmm. there's picking your Pokemon has been 
change so it's a little bit more personal, even though it's a foregone conclusion. It's a little bit more emotional, exciting. Um, like your starter Pokemon, choosing your starter. Yeah, yeah you're, okay. I, um, I guess I'll just say it because it's such a minor and it happens at the very beginning. Your, your Pokemon has to choose you back this time. Oh, damn. Yeah. Cool. So they could just snub you. Yeah, they could be like, yeah, you're not the trainer for me. Sorry, go play with Litten. <laughs> That's like uh, it's like Harry Potter type stuff. You know, the yeah. wand chooses the wizard and the Pokemon chooses the trainer. Yeah. That feels better. So, um, it's like less like less like you're enslaving your Pokemon. And just exactly. Well, them. I mean, the entire basis of the Pokemon series in the, in the anime was that Ash got Pikachu and Pikachu didn't want to go with Ash and Ash had to earn Pikachu's trust and respect and blah, 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 ah, blah. But that's true. No, yeah. now it's mutual respect at the start. Okay, awesome. So how about like these uh, islands that you said that instead of the gyms, there are these island challenges. Do they function the same as gyms anyway? They're just called a different name. How do they um, work really? They're each so there's four different islands and there can be multiple challenges per island. Mm-hmm. Um, once you beat the challenges, you can fight the Kahuna, who's kind of like the gym leader. But yeah. there, every challenge, the big Kahuna, I'm still if you would. Sorry, exactly. Anyway. <laughs> uh, there's because the entire uh, this whole region is based off Hawaii. Yeah. Okay. So it's Very all cool. Hawaii island themed. Uh, it's the Alola region. So you say hello by saying Alola. Oh, cute. Got it. It's very cute. I I actually, I'm taking days off work because I'm a giant Pokemon nerd and I couldn't play. (laughs) I couldn't be at work and not be playing. And people are like, are you going on vacation? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to Alola. And they're like, "Uh." (laughs) like, okay, I forget. People aren't as big a nerd as I am. Um, so they're, they're slightly different from gyms. There's definitely a challenge, but sometimes the challenge is you have to beat all the Pokemon in this area. Or some of them are you have to collect berries, like you have to solve a puzzle. So it's mm-hmm. not just go into a building, fight a certain number of trainers who battle with this type of Pokemon, and then move on. Like it's an actually completely different formula. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I could see how the gym system is has been... A little tried and hasn't been changed up or anything. It's gotten kind of boring because it's been literally the same for 20 years. Mm-hmm. So I could see them going for different things. But at the same time, like they're them venturing out and doing new things that are puzzle based or or collectathon based. I could see that being like, OK, well, I mean, we didn't want the same thing again, but now these aren't so good. How do how do the challenges fare up next to the excitement of battles and things like that? Um, I'm enjoying it. Like there's certainly battles still involved in it. And it's actually, I've found you actually have to keep your team leveled. Like you have to do a little bit of dedicated grinding or else you're not going to be able to win. Mm-hmm. Something that's interesting though, we've seen in the, in the trailers, the previews for the game, we have seen, um, they're starting a Pokemon league, the whole gym system mm-hmm. in this region. It's just not built yet. And all of these different towns have empty lots. So there's a lot Uh of speculation. Now, this game is also nearly twice the size as XY and um, ORAS. So there's a lot of speculation that perhaps there's an end game or there's going to be a DLC where you will actually get a whole new gym system within this. So you'll uh, beat the island system and then you'll go back and beat the gyms later. Like the gym will come at a later date. Hmm. That's interesting. Like, I mean, it's really exciting. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't 
Pokemon uh, benefit from like an, a system where you just add more gyms and add new characters that have a different Pokemon uh, type focus. You know, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, and we've never been in a place where the gyms haven't been established. So watch, you know, how is that going to play out? Are gym leaders going to be overturned? Like, there's a lot of room to play. And it's difficult to know exactly how intense it's going to be because this game is um, 10,000 blocks bigger than the previous games. So they actually have a lot of space to play with. One of my issues always with Pokemon, well, since, like, I had started growing up and not being a kid anymore is that the dialogue and the story has always been kind of vapid and just all like everyone's talking about Pokemon and everything's just very childish. And while it's like nice to have like, oh, everything's um, roses and wonderful and Pokemon are our friends, you know, it's just the same beat repeated over and over. Pokemon are our friends. We love our Pokemon. And I that kind of was what pushed me away far more than the reiterated system of go to the Mm -hmm. gym battle them level up go to the gym you know and so i'm wondering does this do anything different uh so that it doesn't feel like such a child's game or kid's game i should say well i'm i'm still not that far into it did you play the delta episode of ras at all uh no (laughs) well i didn't play um i had played a little bit of x uh, X right. or Y, I forget which one. Uh, it's the one with the deer on the front box. So whichever one X. that was. It's X, perfect. So I played a little of X. I had gotten actually a few gyms in. And then I again, that same thing happened where mm-hmm. I couldn't continue. And also other games come up, you know, and it's yeah. just it, the games are a grind, although they become right. less of a grind from what I hear. And then, so I'm not as interested in Pokemon. Uh, I wasn't as interested in po- going back into uh, o- Omega Ruby and Sapphire right. or whatever. Yeah. So um, Omega Ruby and Sapphire are probably my least favorite games of the series, but mm. they added a Delta episode, um, which was actually a little bit darker. It's after you beat the whole game. There's a whole um, uh, Deoxys is not happy with Earth. Uh, there's There's a lot of kind of conflict going on. Um, it's certainly not dark. It's mm-hmm. Pokemon dark. Mm-hmm. Um, this game, it's interesting because there are these island spirit guardian Pokemon. And at the very beginning, without giving too much away, one of them saves you from a thing. Okay. And has <laughs> that for general. Sure, sure. And um, the island Kahuna is like, wow, I can't believe he showed up. Like, he is our guardian. He does protect us. But he's also very fickle. Mm -hmm. Um, So you kind of get the feeling that there's some more wild, some um, not as friendship-oriented. It's still very... So in 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 one of the island challenges, you go in and you fight a totem... Pokemon who basically levels like powers up with uh, the island version of Mega Evolution, mm-hmm. and uh, it will actually call additional Pokemon to fight against you. Okay. So you start out battling one, but you can end up battling even more. Um, so it's it's interesting. This it's this island is they're very much about oh we're islanders and we all work together and. But I, I feel like this game has a couple darker edges, and that might just be because I've been—I'm a nerd and I watch the Pokemon Generations shows, sure, which are sure. actually kind of—they lean darker. They kind of show the 
the parts that the game don't show where the bad things are happening, the repercussions, um, what happens when the guy gets exiled by the legendary Pokemon uh-huh. into this other dimension. Uh, so there's definitely darker edges to Pokemon, and I'm kind of waiting to see how much they pull those into the game itself. Okay. That's awesome. Uh, I, I don't know if that answers your question. No, sure. If there's darker <laughs> edges, then that's uh, that easily means that it's more it's, it's somewhat deeper than the Pokemon games I remember at the very least. Uh, I'm still holding out for the Switch though. Now that I, I yeah, know that yeah. it could be coming out for that. So general impressions of the game uh, before we conclude our Pokemon discussions. Uh, I'm liking it. It's definitely a challenge. It's not just breezing through it like some of them have been in the past where it's like, oh, I've got my one and let's go. Um, I'm actually having a very difficult time picking a team, Mm -hmm. deciding on exactly who to use because um, types are shifting enough that it's it's interesting and it's fun and it's definitely a breath of fresh air to the tried and true method of Pokemon. Okay, cool. Definitely a tried method of Pokemon. Tried and true. <laughs> up to you. Up to you. Anyway. I mean, they've been around 20 years. It's They've you been around for 20 years. Yes. Yes. They've sold games continually. They've been for around 20 years. years. So they just put out Nintendo's, Nintendo's most pre ordered games ever. Uh-huh. They've done something right. Yeah. They must have. Yeah. And it's also great that they, they can always just count on new generations playing mm-hmm. Pokemon, you know, like I like Pokemon. So when I have a kid, I'm going to say, oh, you're going to love Pokemon, little Jimmy, like, you know, whatever. So I, and they know, certainly got a nice boost. Jimmy from is, Joe. yes. Little uh, Jimmy go. is the name of the child. Hypothetically. That's a New Yorker thing from Joey to Jimmy. <laughs> Joey to Jimmy. God. Why, Joey why change Jimmy. the first initials? Why not even hey. Jimmy, just Joey, Jimmy. All right. Anyway, uh, Mike, you wrote a review for, a, oh, no, but I was going to ask you about MechaZoo, Mike, but I uh, commissioned you to find me some information. You were doing some research on the side. Did you- yeah, well, that was about 15 minutes ago before <laughs> you guys went down the Pokemon rabbit hole. Well, you know, <clears throat> Pokemon new game, got to talk about it. So you don't, we don't have a, we don't have an orc name to well, report on. So, like, they, they vary. Sometimes they're, they're more plain stuff like, <clears throat> um, like uh, uh, what the hell's his name? Grimgor, Grimgor Ironhide. Grimgor is, is, like, is a name. Ironhide. Like, I should have said Ironhide. I could have figured that. Or out. like Azag the Slaughterer is one. But then yeah, they also get kind of funny. <laughs> so they get they get kind of funny because like um, you know, dwarves always have beards, right? That's always the like yes. the classic dwarf have, thing. Yes, yes. And so a lot of the time, because orcs are pretty much supposed to be idiots, they just refer to the dwarves as beards a lot of the time so you'll be like you get one guy's name will be like Gorgut's beard taker or something like that or like you know just just random stuff like that and then everything they cut they cut uh letters and vowels and like add add vowels in on all these so they sound really weird basically they all speak with like a really slurred nasty british accent yeah always um, always that like mm-hmm. disgusting cockney you know it's always disgusting right. and annoying yeah and, and they always are named yep. things like igor ironhide or like grucknuck the the grucknuck yeah. the banished or something ridiculous you know so yeah i, I like, was wondering if i could because they don't call humans humans they call them like they call them humies so it'd be like humie killer or humies. something or like humie sounds kind of like, endearing i don't know Makes me yeah, think well. of humid. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. All right. So that's uh, it's so that's that's a that's a quick overview for you of the way the green skins work. They're collectively called the green skins. Okay. Orcs and orcs and goblins. Orcs and we got both the green skins. Got it. Okay. Yeah, and they work together. So now we can move from pocket monsters to mecha monsters. Yes, exactly. Yes. But I I expect weekly an update on uh, some research orc names. I want I want like an interesting one each week. So I'm a, I'm I found an orc today. name generator, but it wasn't giving me anything that was particularly good. Uh, all right, so you'll keep us updated on that one too. That's fine. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, I will. Yep. All right, I'll send you some every day, Joe. Perfect. So you did review a game called Mechazoo. Why don't you uh, tell us about the game? You told us a little bit, I think, on the last episode. Uh, that it's like a platformer, and you play as different uh, little characters, little like. Uh, animal characters that are kind of cyborgish. Uh, you couldn't confirm yeah. whether or not the armadillo was a was a, a cyborg or something. Well, it just didn't look like it, but <laughs> so funny enough actually like the guy who designed the armadillo posted something on Twitter yesterday that I that I retweeted and uh, it was like a quick breakdown of his concept art for it and yeah. it was supposed to be that the the armor that an armadillo has you know yeah. like they roll up in a ball and they've got the armored back or whatever that's actually supposed to be mechanical or metal right so but <laughs> but it, it doesn't look too much like that on the game when you see it in the game the other the other animals look like they've got you know they have like little joints on like their shoulders or whatever like little mechanical yeah. joints and stuff but i, I love how the, um, the armadillo situation is up in contention and and there's like still <laughs> the the guy who designed it is like reporting like yes if you if you look at the research and you look at the design choices that's pretty awesome well i don't think i don't i don't think that's why he was posting sure it. yeah no i posting I, it because i, I like but, the idea uh, is what i should have said i like i like they it. don't that's even p- like the so the good mood creators, the people who made the game, they don't even call him the Armadillo anymore. They've said the name too many times. They just call him the Dillo. The Dillo. Excellent. Yep. I love that. Where I'm from, they just call them speed bumps. Right. Yeah. Right. Ouch. <laughs> so anyway. You're from Texas, right? I'm from Texas originally. Yeah, I'm sorry. God damn. <laughs> so talking about Mechazoo, the game, uh, outside of Armadillo design choices and whatnot, uh, what'd you think of the game? Uh, it was a good game. Um, it was a really good game. Like, uh, you know, I go on and on about how I'm not a Nintendo player or a Nintendo fanboy or whatever. Um, and yet, I have these very fixed nostalgic memories of playing classic Nintendo platformers as a kid. But they were always at my friend's house. Because mm. um, they were the only ones who had the Nintendos. I just had like I mostly just had Max growing up before they like had any games. So I really was pretty limited. Um, but uh, I got great memories of playing like Super Mario and Donkey Kong Country, especially. And mm. I don't know why Donkey Kong Country sticks in my mind so well, but it really does. Mm-hmm. That was a popular um, game. A lot yeah, of kids it does for that. a lot of people. Yeah, that was an awesome game, and. Um, more than anything else, that's what I got out of Mechazoo was Donkey Kong Country. Okay. Um, like, the music, the feel of it, the momentum-based gaming, you know, because Donkey Kong was very momentum-based. Like, if you could keep going and you could bounce from one thing to another without stalling or getting hit or getting interrupted, like, you could zip through a level within two minutes Sure. sometimes. Like, you could just blast through those things. I mean, it wasn't Mechazoo... easy. It was definitely a hard game. But if, right. but if you could do it, yeah, it's true. Yeah, and that's how Mechazoo is designed. It's designed to be fast and momentum-based. Um, and then they throw in the extra uh, sort of 
uh, element of depth by making you switch from one character to another in the middle of the game. Oh, okay. So, like, you'll be, you know, you'll be flying up ramps or, or whatever is the armadillo because he can roll up just like Sonic the Hedgehog could and go super fast and roll through enemies. Mm-hmm. And then... You know, you launch yourself in midair or whatever, and there's like a big open chasm, and you know maybe the other character that you have open to you at the time is the frog, and so the frog can lash out with his tongue and grab onto things and pivot and swing. Mm. So you got to switch to him real quick, like in midair, and grab onto something and swing across the chasm, and then um, after that you might go past another. Um, I don't, I, I don't even know if there's a name for them. They probably have an internal name for them, but they never tell you what it is within the game but you'll pass these little circular points that have character faces on them of the the animals the mech animals okay sure and when you pass it it'll swap out one of the two that you've got so like if you go buy it with the armadillo and the frog and it's got like uh it's got the face of the wallaby and like the panda on it or something when you cruise by it both your characters are now swapped out to the wallaby and the panda so you can only be those two now and then that also means that the level design will change because those animals um, have completely different abilities than the armadillo and the frog. So now that means the terrain is going to be completely different. Uh, that's cool. I I, yeah, I, and... I also see where you were coming from as like uh, considering Donkey Kong only just like from some of the gameplay I saw. It even has like the like the barrels, like the cannon barrels mm-hmm. that would like you would jump in right. and it would start shooting you in sequences of barrels. There was something like mm-hmm. that. In the gameplay yep. that I saw from your review, yeah. Yeah, and like the... I think one thing that sticks out in my mind about Donkey Kong Country was the soundtrack. Like, that was just a phenomenal soundtrack yeah. as a kid. Like, yeah. And it was synced so perfectly with all of the levels and everything you were doing. It matched the theme really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I don't think very many platformers have been able to achieve, at least for me, that kind of um, musical greatness. And I think mechazoo did uh-huh. they they absolutely nailed it the guy that they found mj quigley um they met him at digipin institute which is like where they were where most of the good mood creators went to school as well and he just absolutely nailed it like i've actually been listening to his stuff on soundcloud yeah just, yeah i remember you sent me just it. for the hell of it lately and it's just phenomenal yeah it's it's cool it's like got a, 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 that very uh jungle oriented like electronic vibe it's uh, it's actually kind of cool a bunch of stuff you'd sent me uh yeah but they I'll, were I'll... they were calling it electro swing and apparently they're totally there's a band swing, called yes. a band called caravan palace some french band i'd never heard of them before but i looked them up and um yeah it is it's like electro swing and that was their main inspiration and then that i guess is what this uh, mj quickly guy went off of yeah so. sure i i agree the music was good though i i'm gonna go ahead and vehemently disagree with you that uh greatness in platformer uh soundtracks hasn't been often achieved i, I feel like i've played countless platformers uh 2d platformers 3d platformers that have excellent, excellent soundtracks. Um, I can think of well, like I, uh, me, just being biased for Nintendo. I, I happen to think that Mario's uh, soundtracks are generally amazing. Uh, yeah, Koji Kondo's uh, soundtracks are fantastic. He's like a master of music composition. Uh, and then people who took up the mantle after him, I forget their names because I'm a terrible fan of of music. But I mean, Super Mario Galaxy's music, which is was supervised by Koji Kondo, but was written by 
a couple other people, one in particular. Galaxy has an amazing, possibly the best soundtrack of, of the Mario series. And then well, I could, in the in the wise words of Donald Trump, no, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, any other things? Any concluding thoughts you want to give on Mechazoo? It's just it's just like a super awesome, simple, nostalgic platformer. If if that's your jam, and you like good music, you really can't go wrong with Mechazoo. Like it's just a solid, really enjoyable, uh, platformer. And and like the good mood creators, the people who made it, really did live up to their namesake. It put me in a good mood every time. So, <laughs> I mean play it fuck it it's only 20 bucks anyway so don't have much to lose okay awesome so uh we're running low on time so i won't go too deep into dishonor 2 but i did review dishonor 2 uh this past week uh alongside our other gaming trend writer hunter wolf and our review will be up uh, momentarily. Uh, it went through PR and everything. I just have to actually put it together. So our review will be up and available by the time you're hearing this. Uh, I happen to love the game um, as I did the first game. It is very, very much like the first game. Actually, to a surprising degree, in my opinion, I had expected them to do uh, maybe go off and do some new innovative things and maybe innovate on the format, uh, especially on the story. Like the story is like beat for beat, a very similar reimagining of the first story and not very good at that. Um, but even like the format itself, I thought they would have, I thought they would have like done something new, but I found out recently that the arcane studios that is behind this game. is not necessarily the arcane studios that was behind the first game. Uh, they've been working on the prey reboot uh, whereas this game was directed by the same, it had the same director, but heading a generally new team uh, uh, with a of developers uh, stationed out in France, uh, whereas Arcane was mostly, I think, uh, American, but I could be wrong. Anyway, uh, besides that, though, the gameplay is still there and is fantastic. Emily is an incredibly awesome new addition uh, as a character and a- allows for really really interesting character builds and uh experimentation uh her far reach ability is super super cool all of her other abilities are really cool uh and jumping back in as corvo on my second playthrough was so awesome it was like i had played this new sequel with all new mechanics and while it felt familiar it was also very alien because i had new abilities that i had to learn and figure out it was like jumping from a new, I don't know how to get, get a good analogy for you guys, but say like jumping from one type of shooter, like a, you know, like a future shooter, like, well, like jumping out, out of Battlefield and into a future based shooter and having these new guns to contend with or new, just a new uh, tool set to, to figure out and then playing that same game again, but giving you the same, like your favorite mechanics and abilities from the first game you had played. And it felt like such a familiar friend in this new open world. And it was just so rewarding and so much fun to play as Corvo again. Uh, not that I don't love Emily. I learned to love Emily, but I have dozens of hours invested in the Corvo character build that I had played multiple, multiple run throughs of the first game. Uh, Cause Amy, you probably don't know, but I am obsessed with dishonored the first game. Uh, so, and <laughs> almost I, as obsessed you as you are with Nintendo's platformer music. Almost as uh, obsessed. Thank you. I was about to make the same obsessed. comment. 
Nice. So, Dynamite drop-in, Amy. Way to go. Dishonored, Dishonored <laughs> 2 is a very good game. Uh, it's a great game as if I if I were to push that. Uh, I will hold the deep discussion of Dishonored 2 uh, for when we discuss it with Hunter. Uh, when I discuss it with Hunter. What did you give it? Sorry? What did you give it out of 100? We gave it an 85. Um, oh, so the game has some technical good. difficulties uh, on console. I've heard some issues on PC. I cannot uh, attest to that uh, because don't play it on PC. I played it on PS4 and Hunter played it on Xbox One. There are some frame rate dips, uh, especially when you load up into some some of the larger spaces. And also in one specific level, you have this thing called the timepiece, which is one of the coolest mechanics of the game. It's uh, a little thing that you're able to use uh, in this abandoned um, mansion or whatever. I'm not sure what it is, but you're in this place and it's abandoned and it's, it's dead and there's, you know, uh, some characters in it. And what you can do is open up this timepiece and a little glass uh, looking glass opens up in your left hand. And if you look through it, you look through into a new, an older time, like say 15 years ago. And you're seeing the same space only 15 years prior. And it's when it's inhabited and it's has guards and butlers and people, and you can warp into that time period where you're standing and then kill people or sneak around people and they'll see you and they'll come after you. And you can ghost right back to the uh, present day and you can look back and you can see them looking for you being like, where did he go? He disappeared. And it's just one of the coolest mechanics I've ever seen in a game. It's so, so cool. And unfortunately it was uh, hindered by some frame rate, serious, serious frame rate dips on a uh, console. Like it, I swear I was just eyeballing it, but it went like even under 20 frames at some points. Like it was, it was a little crazy and it's understandable because it's technically loading two versions, two permutations of the same space at the same time. So was that on Xbox? The, I was on PS4, uh, and it did that. Oh, okay. And I hear from Hunter that that level may not have been an issue, although he just said he didn't notice it. Uh, but he said that frame rates do drop in the game, and texture pop-in is a big issue. I didn't notice that in my game, but I might have just not been uh, really uh, attuned to that. I'm not sure. Uh, generally the game is beautiful and performs pretty well uh, at like, you know, generally 30 frames per second, maybe more, maybe less, uh, which is fine for us console gamers. We're not spoiled uh, like PC gamers. Uh, I wish I had it on PC. Are you pointing the finger at me? Right no, now, no, 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 no. PC oh, okay. gamers, you know, they have, you can, you guys can play games that like, I hear Doom runs at like over 100 frames per second, you know, that's like, that's super Yeah, awesome. I was getting like. 95 on total war warhammer recently i think which is pretty it's pretty damn yeah good. that's like outright i once heard a youtuber talking about pc games he's like yeah i'm, I'm running dishonor right now on this uh, i don't play games unless if they go under 90 frames and i'm just like that that's, is absurd <laughs> yeah that's stupid that's like that that's dumb yeah what does pokemon run at um. yeah i mean <laughs> at what point does it matter you know uh 90 is 90 is beyond that's way beyond where it matters. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'll I'll cease my dishonored speed talk right now. Um, I'd like to get Hunter on. Maybe uh, I'll add Hunter's Hunter's and my Hunter and whew, I will probably speak to Hunter <laughs> at a separate date and record that as well. And me and him will discuss the game at length and possibly will include that discussion in this episode. 
Uh, but if anyone's out there listening and enjoyed Dishonored 1, you'll certainly like Dishonored 2. A lot of it feels the same, but there's so many great new mechanics. Um, there's an infinite number of builds you can go into because of Emily and because of this new skill tree. Uh, well, the the leveling up system, which now is a little more... Um, uh, a little spun out a little more. Uh, so it's a great game. It's story is a little drab and silly, but it's world building is fantastic and it's mechanics are amazing. It looks very good and you'll enjoy it. If you like the first one. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here. So if you want to follow us and all of our content, you could always check out our uh, writings and all of our, ruminations on things like Nintendo soundtracks and orc name generators and all sorts of silly things. On, you know, we should do an editorial uh, on, 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 on Nintendo soundtracks. Uh, find all together. of our... I, I, You know, you think I wouldn't do it. So, I <laughs> on GamingTrend.com find all our content. Also, uh, we're going to do Twitter handles now, uh, so I'll just pass it off to each of you. Amy, do you have a Twitter handle you want to share or no? I am Fear. K-A-Y-D-A-M-P-H-Y-R. Okay, so you can follow Kami, <laughs> Amy. Kami, I like Kami. that. Sorry, so a K got in there, so I was like, Kami. <laughs> you can follow like Amy at, and then I'll put, I'll soundbite that uh, in there. You can also follow Mike Pierce at... At Grumpy Gamer. That's Grumpy with two R's. And you can follow me at Joey Dagobonuts. That's Joey Dag Obonuts. No spelling required. You can go find me there. And uh, that is it for this week. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Please go out, play some video games, check out all of our content. We love you all so much. Goodbye. What's up, guys? Welcome to another uh, addition to the most recent GT Reboot uh, podcast. My name is, as you know, Joe DeClara. I'm now joined by Hunter Wolf. What's up? Hi, Hunter. Uh, my co-reviewer for uh, the most recent game, Dishonored 2. Uh, and we recently finished the review. It's up on the site. You can check it out there. It's between both Hunter and I, uh, a review that we summed up to an abstract number that is an 85. Yes. Uh, which equates to great. Um, by Very some good laws game. Of, yeah, yeah. Fantastic game. I enjoyed it a lot. Hunter, uh, from what I can gather, enjoyed it thoroughly as well. So I yeah. figured we'd talk about it. Uh, so yeah, we, we had like talked about it during the, uh, what's it called? The review in progress. But now we've played right, the game, right, right. played it a couple times at least. And so now we have a good idea of how the game is as a whole. Yeah, I'm actually uh, continuing on another playthrough right now. Um, this time I'm trying to ghost the game as Emily, which sucks because the first time I played as Corvo, so now I get to play with completely new powers, but not that much, so. Sure, yeah. Yeah, Emily's, like, definitely a very cool, very interesting character. It was really hard to accept her because so many of the powers, like all of the powers that Corvo had were gone, essentially, and her her power far reach while it easily like it's the it's a plant's blink uh it's acts like very differently actually and i like you i started with one character i'm now am running through 
with a Corvo. Yeah. Um, and I, I had played through the whole game, but jumping back in as Corvo uh, before putting up that review was so – it was like coming back to a, like a, a friendly An old friend, face, you know? yeah. Oh, God. It really was that, you know, getting those yeah. powers back, feeling like this was the real Dishonored 2, you know, like con- continuing with those same powers. Uh, but how are you liking Emily now that you have a chance to play through it casually? Yeah, well, it's funny you say that because my experience was in reverse. Since I started as Corvo, now that I'm playing as Emily, I thought to myself, this is the real Dishonored. Like, this is the real yeah. sequel. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's a lot of fun. Um, I know there are a couple games where there are different ways to play, but if you want to play stealthy, typically, like, that's just one route through the game. And if you want to be aggressive, that's one route through the game. But in Dishonored, if you want to be stealthy, there are a number of routes through the game. So um, my experience the second time around has been really different. Yeah, I said this before. It is very much in name and in essence Dishonored 2. Uh, it is so much like the first in just not just its format, but its philosophy and its mechanics. Um, and one of those things is that mantra of play your way, let the level design be as open as possible to the player. And that's great, um, but it is so much like Dishonored 1 that it's almost surprising. Like, I had, when heard, when I had heard that Dishonored 2 is out, coming out, I knew Dishonored 2 was going to happen. They had said, well, after, yeah, just shortly after the release of Dishonored 1, that this is a franchise now, it's got the support, and we're going to go ahead and make another one. Mm-hmm. I definitely thought they were going to start innovating and doing new things. Um, but I heard only closer to release that it's not the same arcane it's not the same studio technically who it's still arcane in name but it's and it's harvey smith the director Mm -hmm. but it's a whole new slew of uh developers like we have all those interviews that we see videos and it's like oh it's a lot like french guys and i thought arcane was based in in uh, america and then you realize they're working on prey the reboot while whereas these guys are working on this yeah yeah so it's Interesting to see them come, uh, Harvey Smith directing a game with a new cast of uh, developers to bring us basically the same um, experience, but really fleshed out. So I appreciated that. Uh, Yeah, yeah. you know, what I noticed is the core of Dishonored is still there. They're um, your supernatural assassin in a steampunk world. And I just feel like the I was trying to figure out the areas that really felt innovative this time around. I would say... um, First and foremost, each level has its own gimmick. We have the sure. the time travel episode or episode uh, yeah. level. We have the <laughs> sure. the level with the dust storms. That felt like a big new idea that they expanded on, and um, obviously the density and ver- verticality of the world um, was a large focus for upgrading the game. Um, but but at its core, it it feels. Uh, just the same, just uh, better. The combat's tighter, and um, there's a more a, a variety of new abilities and stuff. So it definitely yeah. feels like a, a worthy sequel. What were some of the cool? What were some of the abilities, the new abilities that you liked so far? Yeah, so I'm more familiar with a lot of Corvo stuff, but I've been playing with um, in my Emily playthrough with Mesmerize, which is cool. Okay, um, yeah, you create like a void entity it's called and it um entrances your enemies for uh, several seconds so you can sneak by or take them down and that's been useful in a couple situations where i've 
there are a large group of enemies in a room and I have to clear them out. Um, and I just got Domino, actually, which is really yeah. cool. So you take one down. If any of the other bad guys are linked, you can take them down too. And you can use that in conjunction with the doppelganger ability. Yeah, yeah. Which lets you do whatever you do to your doppelganger to all the other enemies. It's just really mind-bending how many um, creative possibilities there are on this game. Yeah, yeah. Dop- doppelganger and just Domino was a, was a combo I had... Uh, discovered, you know, everyone, but discovered yeah. pretty early on, and it was that was like, oh, I feel felt like I had broken the game. Yeah. You know, but so many of the combinations in Dishonored, you're allowed to break the game, and that's why I like it. You know, they they just allow for it, and uh, yeah, that's it's those combinations of abilities that really blew me away with Emily's character. Um, but the thing is, I feel like you can only really start experimenting with that stuff. Um. Or at least in the first game, you really could only got to experiment with really cool combinations. Later um, on. What, well, later on. Um, but moreover, once you've like uh, extricated yourself of any uh, morality issue, with, like just killing <laughs> yeah, everything, yeah, yeah. you know, like you just like have to let go and kill everything and then it becomes fun. This game is better at way better at doing non-lethal fun. Like, you know, the, the idea of being able to take down enemies in the midst of all-out combat. Yeah. You know, that's a really smart move. Um, yeah, there have been have, a couple uh, encounters I've had where I try to start stealthy, but then I'm recognized. But while I'm choking somebody out, he, he acts as like a meat shield and he gets shot or they cut him down. Yeah, um, yeah. And I also found, just like you did, um, like a creative... Uh, I like broke the game or whatever. You can take a stun mine and you can throw it on an object that you can pick up in the environment. And then if you just carry it around with you, it eviscerates the enemies as you get close to them. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I I had done something. It's a, I think it's a trick in the first game. I don't know, but like where with Corvo, you can, uh, you know, mind control uh, animals and stuff like that. And, or more importantly, uh, you have the spring razors and I would Mm -hmm. put a spring razor on like a rat and you could then let the rat run forward or a stun mine, whatever. And it'll run towards enemies and then it'll stun all that or the spring razor will activate. So you can actually put these mines like, uh, so yeah, I love, loved uh, Emily's, just all the abilities that you could use in combination. Those were really, really cool. And I'm still not done experimenting, you know? Yeah. You know, um, the difference between Corvo and Emily, like if you're playing through the game is not very different at all, unless or aside from the, the powers. Um, but there's, there's enough diversity, I think there to warrant going through the game twice. Some of the abilities, there are some crossover, like, Corvo and Emily both have dark vision, which lets them see through walls. And while far reach um, is very similar to blink, um, it can be upgraded to like grab objects in the environment. But I mean, they're Mm. similar as well, but there are enough uh, diverse powers there. And um, the voice, the protagonists are voiced now. I think this is a game that you really need to go through twice, at least, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Cause Corvo, going back to Corvo was so good. I feel bad that, you know, we had to review the game twice. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we had to review the game at the same time and mm-hmm. go over multiple uh, facets of the game um, it, separated from each other. So you 
uh, took it upon yourself to do Corvo. Uh, and you were sport for that because I was ready to just jump in as Emily, this new character. And then on my second playthrough, play as Corvo, who I know very well. Right. And once I know the, the environments and stuff better, really just just go all out and uh, yeah. mess around with him. So that was fun for me. I, so I feel bad that you had to start with Corvo and you didn't get to the cool new stuff until later, you know. But I mean, I feel like either way, it'd still be fun. You know? Yeah. It's, well, but it definitely rewards playing through twice. Yeah. Like you said, when I played the original Dishonored, I never got too creative with all my abilities and whatnot playing as Corvo. Um, I played the game several times, but more so to complete the game under different criteria, you know, ghosting, killing everybody. But so this time I went into the game as Corvo and it still felt really fresh because I was trying, I was going for those creative kills and trying to, like you said, break the game and whatnot. Yeah. I will say though, like you, you had said something about the characters being uh, similar and like that's dishonored to in a nutshell, like zoomed in, you have a lot of cool new abilities you have a new characters who say they're voiced and this new story, which I ha- cared not even in the slightest about uh, the story was very just whatever. Meh. And so much of so many of the beats were exactly the same just because of how the game is formatted. It's formatted the same way as the one. So you have to have this hub that you go back to, mm-hmm. like you said, the, the whale pits pub, right? The, yeah. it's, it's that boat, the whaler pits pub or whatever. Yeah. It's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's this boat per chick that needs that brings you in every single mission. Um, and yeah, at the end of the game, you know, well, sp- not spoilers, but like at the end, like you find out more about your ally mm-hmm. and there's more to them than meets the eye. But like, it's totally predictable. And I don't know. Uh, it's just interesting that at when you zoom in, this game is very different and has different mechanics. But when you zoom out even a little, you're looking at the exact same game. Uh, yeah. Which, while I appreciated it in some ways, a lot of it was annoying. Like, I had hoped that they would uh, innovate in a no- new way. But at the same time, it's a new team who's like, okay, well, we are now the Dishonored 2 team. And we have to look at how Dishonored 1 was made so we can learn how to make a game like this. I don't really know. But my thing is, like, I love this franchise and I want to see more from it. If Dishonored 3 happens, one. and When? It's, yeah, when. I want to see something new. I don't want to see this same format. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that, though. Well, I want to talk about, you mentioned the story quickly and how you, yeah. when you zoom out, it's very similar. I actually think that this story, the the plot of the whole thing was much more predictable than the mm-hmm. first game. In the first game, there maybe about halfway through, you know, there was a big twist and the game kind of changed again, right? Mm. And and in this game, it's it's straightforward the whole way through. That's true. You've yeah. got to go to this place, take out this person, go to the next place, take out this person. And you know the whole time you're just moving up the ladder until you take out Delilah, who is the um, central antagonist of the game. Sure, yeah. But there, there are really no huge twists. And let me also say, I was really disappointed in that at the beginning of the game, as well as some of the promotional material for the game, they hinted at this uh, plot of the crown killer, right? 
And the yeah. game in the game's opening scene, they start with this mystery as well. They don't know who it is, and somebody is killing in the name of Emily Caldwin. Yeah, and they wrap that up real quickly. Yeah, yeah within like literally the first hub area that you go to that is gone and that was i would argue the biggest twist in the game yeah yeah that was kind of, it was this huge expositional thing that they kept harping on about you know they, there was that intro like not cinematic but you know those still images where yeah. emily's just giving you expositional material mm-hmm. and then there's that first cut scene where emily is dethroned and she's talking to corvo before that during that uh uh what was it during the ceremony, the memorial ceremony yeah. for for Jessamine Caldwin? Uh, it's just like what they're talking about is this crown killer, this crown killer. There's all these uh, articles lying all over the place, and it turns out like just what it resolves to is kind of underwhelming, and uh, it's it's resolved really quickly, and then it's just focused on an, an enemy who you don't see until the very end again. You know, you see that you see Delilah in multiple facets and like character building like through the outsider and stuff mm-hmm. i i just wasn't compelled by any character in this game generally except for the outsider who like to me was the main character i liked and i was interested in the first game also uh so that's really my biggest gripe with the game yeah and to that point the characters aren't uninteresting their personalities are exuberant right they're colorful and over the top but they just lack depth they're caricatures of yeah uh of themselves like jin dosh who is the um bad guy per se in the clockwork mansion level yeah he's like the mad inventor. he's the mad scientist the tar- tar- yeah target yeah and and then um I guess I don't want to get into spoilers. I mean, everyone's like, we can like minor spoiler. We can just say, I mean, I don't know. I feel less inclined to be spoiler free when I'm when I don't care about the story. Yeah. So that's that's selfish of me, though. So we can try and avoid spoilers. Yeah, yeah to play to play devil's advocate too. I think when you look at each level as its own story, that is where the real meat of Dishonored's story is. It's in the world that is created yes. and how you interact with it. So, for example, there's one level in the um, the Dust District. And um, I believe this was uh, talked about prior to the game's launch as well. But mm-hmm. you go in and there are two factions, the Overseers and uh, the Street Gang that yeah. are at odds with one another. Right, and right. you can choose to take sides on either or neither. Um and that that was interesting being mm-hmm. involved in that and it was compli- complicated and you could your experience is different every time but but yeah that overall hierarchical plot was just uninteresting kind of boring yeah yeah i i think it's the difference between and this is very uh generic uh video game critic talk but it's that difference between world building and central plot you know uh the central plot is like the thread uh, the central thread at which everything revolves around, sort of. And while the world is all this colorful, awesome uh, ornamentation of this uh, story, the story itself is very straightforward and very uh, dry. And I, you may have liked the characters. I was not uh, enthralled, really, by any of the characters. Even Emily and Corvo. Corvo a little more. Um, maybe because I'm nostalgic for the game and everything. Uh, but I, I love hearing about his story, like his upbringing in, in um, uh, sorry, in Karnaka. Like that was super interesting to me. 
but only because I liked the first game, maybe, or because it is interesting. Uh, but it's it, it did not uh, do anything for me, really. And also the fact that it was just predictable because of the plot, uh, the because of the, the beats that it hits. It may not hit the same beat as, like, this huge twist where... And I think we can spoil Dishonored 1, maybe. Yeah. I feel like that's okay. I'll give... When, we, we'll go for that. Yeah, yeah. So, like, when, when, the, when they turn on you... Like mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, whatever the guy's name is, your allies turn on you. Like, yes. it was like, I, I knew the Double whole crossed. time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, absolutely. This was happening. And it was just silly. Like that, that it had to build up to this party where you are holding the poison and like this music is telling you, don't drink the fucking poison. And, yeah. you, and you do. Uh, so that, that doesn't necessarily happen to that extreme, but something does happen. Right. Uh, and I, I won't go into spoilers, but to catch you up and I'll cut this out. When you find out that Megan Foster is Dowd's uh, lackey, l- lackey. Exactly. Yeah. That was like, I knew just the whole time, like, Oh, there's more to Megan than what you, than you expect. So cutting back in just what was revealed, I knew was coming uh, yeah. to some extent. And, and it just unfolded in a, in a similarly, like predictable manner, just the th- whole game. I think it would be fair to say that Dishonored 2's plot is Dishonored 1 minus that big twist where your allies betray you. Yeah. If if your allies had not betrayed you in Dishonored 1 and you would have just kept taking out the enemies on your list, your little black book, then that is the plot to Dishonored 2. Sure, yeah. And that's even more uninteresting, right? It's just like, here's the characters we're going to kill. You kill all the characters. Okay, <laughs> now we win. Yeah, And that's, so I was definitely not, but I was a fan of your, I'm looking this up right now. I'm sorry, but I was a fan of your yeah. analogy uh, that you put in our review. Uh, I don't think I can pull it up right now. My computer's not uh, cooperating, but you had said Dishonored 2 is a beautiful painting in an ugly portrait. A frame. Uh, it's just, it a, it's yeah. just an above, ugly frame, excuse me. It's a beautiful painting in an ugly frame. And then when you step back and you look at all the great times you had and the, and the, all of the, the awesome moment to moment experience, and moment, yeah. moment experience, all the world building, which happens in gameplay, you know, when you're actually immersed mm-hmm. in the game. Uh, that is the moment, those are the moments that really matter. So the, the frame doesn't really matter. And I love that analogy. And I think it's like, it's, also annoying that uh, on our review, it's accredited to me because of the way Gaming Trend reviews uh, write up that final paragraph, which is our summary, uh, is accredited to um, whoever it posted the review, which it was written oh, by both yeah. of us, but it was posted as me. So that's really frustrating and annoying because it's the best part of the review and it's and it's accredited to the wrong person. So oh, thank you. I just I just wanted to disclaim that part. But I feel like that is absolutely true of this game. That yeah. it, it, there's so much great stuff, and you can look past the the crap that is the story, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, certainly. I think that I was having this conversation with somebody the other day. A game's story, I think, what makes video games unique from other storytelling mediums is its ability to to tell a story and convey emotion through a game's mechanics. Right. So. The sense of isolation or um, stress associated with being on the run, right? Mm. You get that in Dishonored 2 from the moment-to-moment gameplay when you're sneaking around or taking bad guys out. But it's that, like, the 
the overall story stuff that's just kind of handed to you, it's just not as good in comparison to the majority of the game, which is that moment-to-moment engagement in the levels, if that makes sense. Sure, it makes sense. I I don't know if I agree with you. I I think (laughs) I'm a little more jaded in how the story is handled. I think it's just literally a vehicle which gets you to the gameplay. Uh, or to the store or to the world building and I separate those entirely not everyone would agree with me like world building and story are in, in my mind totally separate and I think that those things the gameplay and the world building are fantastic in this game as they were in uh, the first game uh, so yeah I, I agree with you in that it conveys a lot of cool emotions mostly it's just badass emotions right (laughs) that's just my emotion like feeling of badassery which is shallow of me i guess that this is such a favored game for me i think that's the gist of that yeah yeah that like the some the moments i remember remember the most will never be any of the story moments unless they like you know uh, and nothing specific uh moreover just those instances of awesome you know i was at one point when i really figured out Emily's blink mechanic, like her pull mechanic, because it can be used to like kind of f- throw you past your grabbed target. Yeah. You know? It's like it, you can use momentum. So w- at one point I was surrounded by characters and uh, I was trying to get out of it because I didn't want to like just die and let the quick save just kind of restart me. Yeah. I-, I was trying to get through any uh, situation that was thrown at me. So I was surrounded and I saw a light post. I'm like, all right, I'll blink up to the light post. And but I was sprinting, so it threw me past the light post and way into this other area, mm-hmm. just by circumstance, just by happenstance. And I see as I'm going down, there's some other guard be- below me as I'm zooming towards him, and I drop assassinate him. <laughs> and he's in some other place that we wasn't expecting it. Mm-hmm. And then there's another guard, and I whip out my pistol immediately and shoot him. And then I escape. And I was like, that is the most. That's one when I discovered the how. Emily's mechanic works. And it was just the most badass situation <laughs> I've ever had in a video game. And, and it was the sense of discovery and awesomeness. And that's, that's dishonored to me. Yeah. And that was also the moment you stopped stealthing the game. <laughs> yeah, probably that's, that's the problem with dishonored, you know? Well, I think, no, there's, there's some, I was about to disclaim that this game is just better when you just go out all out lethal. Yeah. I think there's some really cool, if if I get better at this game and get better at the, and I start to learn the areas better, uh, non-lethal play is more fun now, and it'll be rewarding to do that and to play the game completely stealthily. I love playing stealth games and really nailing like not being seen. Uh, it does give me this cool feeling of I've mastered this and I've I've found a way to just be a ghost in this world. That's the my favorite thing about Dishonored, but also those moments of discovery are really cool. One thing I was a little disappointed in is that the game didn't launch with a new game plus feature. I just read that there is one that's coming to the game as a free update, which is good to hear, but I was not able to get as creative as I wanted in my more lethal playthrough the first time. Yeah. Um, because you get the majority of your powers unlocked, um, by the end of the game, right? So you're slowly unlocking and upgrading these abilities throughout. There wasn't as much creative opportunity at the beginning. It was It's not a yeah, big yeah. complaint, but I'm hoping that is a feature with the New Game Plus that you take the upgrades and can start over. Yeah, yeah, that's normally what it means, right? Like, I would assume that's what happens. Yeah, And that same. you can still continue to upgrade because that would be fantastic. The first game couldn't do that, 
And when I first played the game, it was something I complained about. Now I don't complain about Dishonored 1 because it's like I'm a, I'm a sucker for it. But yeah, the fact that you didn't really get to experiment with real crazy stuff until the last few levels. Uh, but this time around, the skill trees, the, the skills are now so diverse and you can and they're so they're much more fleshed out like they're more like skill trees like they're perk trees you can uh kind of uh, you can branch off to different types of upgrades uh so it's behooves the game to be able to really replay it and get more out of each build that you make uh when i first played it and I didn't know we didn't know that this new game plus was thing thing was coming out. I thought like this is just going to require a lot of playthroughs because I'm never going to see all of this yeah, exactly. unless I play like five times, and that's rough. But uh, new game plus is a good idea. Uh, mm -hmm. It's something new to Dishonored. Dishonored one didn't have it, so I'll definitely be running through my Emily build again uh, just to get stupidly powered up like have like be able to domino and mesmerize yeah, like, like everyone in the level like outrageous can you imagine that very first level where you're in dunwall tower and like there must be a hundred ways you could go about doing that with your full oh, arsenal yeah. of upgrades unlocked yeah yeah i mean i wonder if you have that level specifically that intro level before you get your powers like you just you'd be so op if you just had domino oh, oh my and gosh, mesmerize yeah, yeah, that would be crazy. I wonder if, like, maybe it gets implemented once the... Uh, this is all conjecture, but, like, it's, yeah, it, I'll be after. interested to see how New Plus... Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I'm interested to see how it works. I hope also that they add Mission Select. I, I don't remember the notes that they said about the patch notes. Another minor complaint... I know we got to wrap it up, but I know one minor complaint I had also was just on PS4, it really wasn't a smooth experience. Gameplay mm. was pretty smooth. Loading areas was kind of rough. That one timepiece level, which was awesome, was hindered by that frame rate dip. It was really drastic at points. And then, like, the pause menu. I didn't mention this in the review because it seemed small and I didn't think of it. And I'm not a good reviewer, obviously. But I there's one moment where you, I pause and, and or try to open up my weapon wheel. Everything just, like, really slows down. And gets really choppy. Really? Uh, for me on PS4. Yeah. It's like the pause menu takes like a loading second. And it's really like 10 frames, I swear. So it it, it took away the snappy uh, fluidness that mm -hmm. I associate with Dishonored. Yeah, I had some technical issues on Xbox One as well. But it doesn't sound like it was as severe on PS4 from what you're telling me. But there were, there were definitely some issues. Um, I had consistent pop-in issues throughout the game which sucks yeah. because they shoot for this painting painterly aesthetic yeah. in the design and when it's not all painterly i'm like ooh, that sign is there and then it's not and then it's there again yeah yeah <laughs> it, can, it can be really uh at conflict with the game's art style yeah um, yeah it's not like it's really unfortunate like this game was gonna be could have been great on console and it's a little rough around the edges and then PC where it's supposed to shine, you know, where everyone assumes games like this shines. There's, there's these issues right now. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate that I don't know that like they, they don't give us time to review the game and they don't give the time to, to bake and stuff. I wish, I wish it came out and it was smooth because this game would have been a, a nine probably if that, those things weren't in its way. And if it yeah. had all these things like new game plus and stuff like that. Yeah, and I'm wondering if these aren't issues that they're going to tighten up 
um, in in post launch patches. Yeah, so of course, just like anything, yeah. Uh, they they expect patches for the P- PC version, so that'll be nice. But you know, it uh, all in all, a good game. I want to yes. see Dishonored do new things next time around, if there is a next time. In my well, opinion, do you think they're going to do story DLC again? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Like story DLC feels like it was from a different time. You know, now like everything's focused on getting the next thing out. Or maybe, I don't know. It depends. I think they might. It it did well from what I hear on the last game. I mean, uh, I, I don't think that they'll fix what what was wrong with this game in a story DLC. Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day. I think if they do a, I, does Dishonored even have a season pass? I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I never check that stuff. It's whatever. Yeah, I think if they were to do DLC again. I would be interested in having another story with Emily, not Corville, um, or an entirely new character altogether, like they did with the Knife of Dunwall DLC. Sure. Um, yeah, if they did d- download, I'm sure it would be a new character. Maybe it's it, well, this would go into spoilers. Uh, there's a, there are characters in Dishonored Two that could continue on. Uh, they mm-hmm. set that up pretty prominently like especially by the end of it uh, yes so uh, you know who i'm talking about but uh, yeah, i think that would be the route i was thinking the same thing as well yeah yeah so there's there's some things i think yeah so in that case that's probably set up for either a sequel or more likely a dlc uh set up but um i just dlc fine would like to see that moreover want to see arcane the original, well, any either of these teams come back and now really start um, innovating on this, this, the format of Dishonored, so that mm-hmm. it doesn't run into the literally the same mistakes as Dishonored One, or just the same uh, weaknesses, at least in mm-hmm. my opinion. All right, well, that is all the time we have this week uh, for Dishonored talk. Hunter and I, I'm sure, will talk about Dishonored for weeks to come. You uh, know it. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll if we find some more interesting things to talk about, we certainly will. Other than that, though, you can find our review at GamingTrend.com. Hunter re- co-reviewed it for me. It's infuriating that it doesn't show that in the actual uh, the the text bubble on the thing. Hunter worked on it as well. Uh, did some great stuff. I wrote on it, did okay stuff. And uh, other than that, you can check out all of our content on gamingtrend.com. Uh, Hunter, I forget if you have a Twitter handle, sorry. Yeah, it's at yeah. Hunter underscore Wolf with an okay. E. Perfect. You can find Hunter on Twitter there. You can find me at Joey Dagabonuts. Uh, and that is we. That is it for this week. Please join us next week for more Gaming Trend uh, podcast banter. Thank you so much, Hunter. Yeah, thank you. Take care, guys.